0: Well, again, I want to thank uh, Carl from last Sunday coming and preaching and filling the pulpit, so that I could be able to down with my daughter and, and of course Becky watching Brianna run. She's crazy. She's like Zach, runs and runs. I don't know. It, it, that's Becky's side of the family. That's not me. I I need a ball or some kind of <laughs> something to chase in order for me to run. I like that part of running. But uh, I'm thankful, though, that Carl was able to fill the pulpit, and he brought a great message about the source of godly character. And as I mentioned those things, yes, children, you can head on down uh, for Junior Church, and Linda's going to take you for that. Go on down there. (laughs) But Carl came, and he spoke about the source of godly character from Genesis 39, talking about Joseph and his life. And he mentioned uh, different things about this, and just to kind of give a little quick review here so you remember that, um, he mentioned that God's presence is best seen in our persistence. We persist through things, and God's presence will come through. God's power precedes our responsibility, so uh, we are responsible for things. We need to make sure we follow through on those. God's provision also prompts our service. So as we serve others, God will will provide what you need to be able to do those things. But uh, as far as our service to others, we need to to do it and realize that uh, as God leads us in those things, He's going to prompt us maybe in other areas to serve in some way. And then also he mentioned too that God's perception is of more value than man. Sometimes we get our eyes off of God and we wonder what people think about us. And uh, the one person I can think of, biblically that uh, didn't care about that too much is uh, David when he danced for God. He could care less who was watching or what he looked like. Uh, he, he, he would be uh, uh, more foolish than looking than anyone else to be able to dance before God. And uh, for us, we need to realize too that we shouldn't be worried about what uh, people think about us uh, as far as um, uh, when it comes to our relationship with Christ when it comes to maybe compromising that area so that people are pleased. And, you know, sometimes there are people pleasers that want to do that and and peacemakers that might compromise in their area with Jesus because they might think more of people, what people think in their lives of them than what uh, they, they believe what God thinks of them. We need to have the focus, though, and remember that God's perception is of more value than man's. And then, uh, of course, he concluded it all and said, God is the source of our godly character. We need to go to God. God needs to be in our lives, and we need to develop that relationship. And a great way of doing that, of course, is to uh, um, get tied into a a good Bible study, get tied into a good good prayer time, accountability of prayer time and accountability of uh, having daily devotions you have somebody be able to come alongside and say, so how were your devotions today? What did you learn? And be able to uh, uh, sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. But again, my thanks to Carl for taking care of that. And uh, we lead into a, another series here for May. And it's just going to be three messages because, of course, we have Mother's Day and uh, we have uh, um, Memorial Day that we're going to look at a little differently than the in a series that we have here. But there are people in our lives that influence us positively maybe negatively as well, too, of course. And through their lives, encourage us to make changes in our life. Again, positively or negative. We look at someone and go, oh wow, I want to emulate that. I want, I want to follow that. Or you look at someone else and go, I'm, I'm not gonna do that, because that didn't work out for them, and I don't wanna go there. But there are people in our lives though that do that, parents. There are maybe siblings, possibly. There are uh, friends in our lives, maybe a teacher in, in, in your past that probably influenced you in some way. And throughout Jesus' ministry, He met and influenced many lives, and those lives were forever changed. And to this day, lives are changed when they meet Jesus. And as I thought about that more, I thought, wow, you know, Jesus has been changing lives for a long time. And there are many lives that have been changed just because they came before Jesus. They met Jesus some, one time in their life, and things have never been the same. In this month of May, we will look at three lives that were changed because of their moment with the Master. And that's what we're looking at this month of May, moments with the Master. We're going to be looking at Nicodemus today. We're going to look at the woman at the well and then we're also going to look at Zacchaeus. They all had moments with the Master. And through these uh, Sundays in May, I trust we'll discover how their lives were forever changed and, how, and see how our lives can be changed as well, too. So in Nicodemus's story here, we're going to take a look at this in John chapter 3. In the first 21 verses, I, I want to read those verses to you and go back then so we get a full story of what's going on here. And you can follow along, Bible there if you want, uh, Bible app, whatever you have there. <laughs> I'm going to put on my glasses so I can read this small print. Anyway, John chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a, good, uh, you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one, can, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one, and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. That story right there just kind of encapsulates all that that probably goes on with a lot of people when they meet Jesus. They come in a situation where they need help. They come in a situation where it's dark, and this happened at night. It happened at night, and it seems to happen at night all too frequently, things like that. Night gives way to silence. It gives way to stillness, which then gives way too much time to think, (laughs) way too much time to feel. It's at night that we fight with self-doubt. It's at night that that the what-ifs ring in our ears. It's at night that fear settles in. It's at night that guilt and shame drag us into their torture chamber. There's a reason that bars are filled at night. (laughs) There's a reason suicide rates climb at night. There's a reason psychic hotlines and spiritual prayer hotlines peak at night. There's a reason Nicodemus sought Jesus out at night. And we don't know what was haunting Nicodemus doesn't really matter, but we do know that He shows us what we should do when the night settles in on us. (laughs) We go to Jesus. (laughs) He's very clear about why He came to Jesus. In verse 2 he says, He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. So Nicodemus was looking for answers or help, and he knew God was the place to find them. And it's interesting. Uh, that Jesus does not give Nicodemus time to go much further. If you, you, you caught that as we read through that portion of Scripture. Jesus knew that Nicodemus' needs had collided with the stillness of the night. And He brought this, this private session here with him. It's almost as if Jesus cuts him off mid-thought. And he interrupts and goes straight to the core of Nicodemus's problem in verses 3 as well as verse 7. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You must be born again." So Nicodemus was haunted by something. He was hoping Jesus could give him some relief, maybe a word of encouragement, or maybe even a simple key, of, uh, a key to peace in some way. How can I know peace? Help me with this. But Jesus sees the real need and He gives the real answer. You must be born again. Nicodemus, uh, you don't need information. You need transformation. Nicodemus, you don't need re- refinement. You need renewal. Nicodemus, you don't need a new start. You need a new heart. And Nicodemus, you don't need a better life. You need a new life. <laughs> and Nicodemus, you don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need, to do, you need a do-over from the inside out. You must be born again. So being born again, being born from above by God's Spirit requires some very specific dynamics to happen. First of all, the new birth requires that we, like Nicodemus, come. We need to come to Jesus. (laughs) The exchange begins when we choose to come to God for help. And like Nicodemus, we don't even have to fully understand what we need. We just know something's not right. Where do we go? We go to Jesus. It's more important to know who can meet the need than it is to be able to fully explain it. It's Kind of like that itch you really can't get to and you need someone to scratch it. Jesus is the one who can fill that need, the need in our soul, the need in our hearts for that peace. But rest assured, Jesus, again, can meet the deep spiritual needs that are circling you. You know, on a regular basis, our phones give us notifications about updates on... Oh, that's why, that's why I ignore my phone. <laughs> Nothing bad. It's just like, oh, wow, look at that. Uh, it, our phones give us updates and notifications on things. And when that happens, sometimes it's a notification about an app that needs to be updated. And we look at that and we go, okay, now, some of us, put our phones in a setting, and Neil, you can do this too, and I can show you if you want, but you probably don't care. But you can put your phone on setting to automatically update your apps on your phone. Or you can make sure you, you control that, which of these apps are being updated and why. What, what's happening here to my phone? I want to know, I want some control. So those of you who have on the setting of your phone that you want to you know verify every update, you get that notification. And when you get that notification about the update as far as an app is concerned, sometimes you can go then to the app store and you go, okay, what is being updated exactly? And usually what happens normally is that the update is fixing bugs, bugs on your phone, things that might go wrong, Uh, programming that might be kind of skewed a little bit because there's been some changes in other things of your phone and everything else. So they have to update it. They have to fix it so that no bugs uh, uh, happen on the phone, and, and Linda, you love bugs, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about that right now. And so when that happens with your phone, you have a choice. You can say yes, update it, or no, I'm, I'm fine with that, we don't need to do that. And when we choose that, we, we are able to be in control of that and able to refuse that update or give permission for the app, to store, uh, app store to connect with our phone and, and give that update to that, to, to that app on our, on, on our phone. If you choose to give permission, your phone will work smoothly. If you refuse, its functionality might be a little skewed a bit. There might be some problems down the road if you don't update some of those apps. As I read God's Word, I often have a similar experience. Maybe you as well, too. I get notifications from the Holy Spirit telling me I need an update or repair for bug fixes. And I need to pay attention to that because, of course, as with my phone... I have a choice. I can yield to God's Word and His Holy Spirit and allow God to make the updates, or I can decline and postpone the repair. And probably too often, people have chosen to decline the repair. I'm doing all right. I really don't need to do this yet. I can put it off. When God is trying to tell us something through His Word, and the Holy Spirit's tapping us on the shoulder saying, You need to choose this. (laughs) You need to update. As with my phone, failure failure to give permission will, will hinder my functionality, but the choice is mine. I can choose to do it. You can choose to do it or not. The new birth requires, though, that we come. We need to choose to come to Jesus. The new birth also, too, requires we come with a repentant heart, a heart that's ready to say, yes, Lord, you're right, I need to turn away from what I've been doing. That's what word, the word repent means. It means to turn. And, and this describes what we must be willing to do. Turning away <laughs> from the things that displease God, turning towards God and what He has for us through His Son, Jesus. Nicodemus came to Jesus because he, he could not find the solutions to the darkness within himself. He tried religion. Of course, he was a Jewish ruler, but that didn't help him. And religion alone can only take a person so far. Religion is about me. The new birth is about Jesus. Religion can make us nice. The new birth makes us new. Religion focuses on outward behavior. The new birth brings an inward transformation. And religion focuses on what I do. The new birth centers on what Jesus did. And we need to get that in the right, right perspective. Are you following a religion? Are you in a relationship with Jesus? Nicodemus came to Jesus seeking something he didn't have within himself. And to find this would, would require he abandon his, uh, the, the previous course he was on and follow a new one. And some one day in your life, in the past, that's what you did you realize that Jesus had a new plan. He had something great for you. You were living your life, probably doing okay. Most people do all right with their lives in their own hands and doing all right. They don't think they need help. But then Jesus came and truth was was brought to us. And we're like, whoa, this is different. This is new. This is better. And we made a choice, and we decided to follow, made a turn, we made a decision, and we abandoned our our previous course, where we're going to go, and we followed what Jesus had for us, wherever that course was going to take us. And I mentioned this before, I can remember that as well, too, in my life, when I chose uh, received Jesus as my Savior. In my course, I was ready to do one thing, and Jesus had something else in mind. And every step of the way, in my relationship with Jesus, that has been been the the journey. Taking a step forward and going, you with me? Good, okay, let's keep on going. (laughs) Am I following you? Great. And as Jesus uh, revealed another plan in my life, it was like, I cannot do this. I got to do this. I I can't just go go away and do my own thing. I got to follow Jesus in this. So going from, from trying to be a teacher in junior high for math and computers, Uh, Jesus said, man, I got something else for you. You're going to be a a youth pastor. Okay, what's that? (laughs) And so follow that. Because it was only about three years or so after I became a Christian that Jesus had that plan for me. And apparently that plan was just to prepare me, of course, uh, 13 years in youth ministry, to be behind a pulpit and be a pastor of a church to prepare prepare me for this. And as Jesus said, you know what? (laughs) Your next step is coming to Happy Valley as a, as a pastor. And he never asked, what do you think? <laughs> he just said, this is it. Are you going to do it? <laughs> Are you going to follow or not? And I, to me, I had no choice, really. I had to follow. And that's my journey. Yes, I do have a choice, but in my mind, I don't. I, I need to follow Jesus. I would not want to do anything else. To live in God's will is the best place to be. And even if it's kind of weird, <laughs> or maybe it's kind of, uh, disconcerting to you, if God is leading you in that, he, His will is for you to go that direction, there's no better place because He will provide for you in that place, in that in His will, wherever He has you. So abandoning the previous course and taking on the new one that Jesus has for you. Maybe God is calling you to do that. Maybe God has placed before you, move back to Connecticut, <laughs> maybe it's whatever it might be. to decide that this is where I need to go. It's it's, a little out of my comfort zone, but because Jesus is leading me in this, I got to follow. Whatever that might be, maybe God is is kind of tapping you on the shoulder about that. But like Nicodemus, coming to God requires us to walk away from or turn from or repent of ourselves. We we turn away from towards God. That means we must be willing to deny ourselves and change our way of living which in other places in the gospel is exactly what Jesus requires. There should be a change. There should be a difference in your life. People should be able to see that, and not to put on a show, but people should see a genuine change in your life because of what God has done for you. Jesus is not offering to help Nicodemus here, or even us, with the journey. Jesus is demanding we abandon it and surrender and follow Him in a new direction. So whatever journey you were on and you met Jesus, He didn't say, I'll help you in your little world here still. He said, no, 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 I got something new for you. Leave that back. Leave that along the wayside and follow me. That's what He did with all His disciples. Fishermen put aside their nets and followed Jesus. A different direction. And That's what Jesus does these days as well too. Calling people to, to follow Him calling people to a new life. Jesus is demanding we abandon it and surrender and follow Him in a new new direction. Have you ever watched the show Hoarders? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I've heard a lot about it. Evidently, it's a reality TV show about people who have a hard time throwing things away. (laughs) Now, maybe some of you are going, man, I could probably be on that show. (laughs) I know my you yeah, basically they simply collect and eventually they clutter the clutter overwhelms them and and then this crew comes in with their cameras and films it all and how to help them I guess. The thing about a hoarder is that unless there is change within the garbage will collect again. <laughs> uh, my father, he passed away a few years ago and uh, I had to go through the house and take care of all the different things that were there and and uh, his house was in kind of disrepair. Uh, there was a path from the back door through the kitchen into the den, uh, into, the, into the dining room, through into the den, and then back over through into the living room, and through the living room, up the stairs. It was, it was a pathway, and all these things were all stacked up around, and uh, airplane equipment and stuff, because he, he owned a couple airplanes that he had, and he did a lot of repairs on things, and that's what his job was, is uh, fixing Airplanes, and, and, uh, and he also was into motorcycles and engines and, and everything else. He had a little scooter, a Honda scooter, inside the living room there, ready to be repaired, but it was covered with everything else on there. A lot of stuff in that house. And that wasn't going to change just if he were to move somewhere else. <laughs> so it would need to change within him to be able to have something different, a new start. I heard about a hoarder family living in a small farming town, North of Manhattan, Kansas, they had completely filled their front porch with bags of trash. And it wasn't long before their yard and driveway were completely full of trash, broken refrigerators, stoves, worn-out sofas, lawnmowers, and an old car, and they didn't drive. And then one morning, a sign was posted on their front door that read, moved next door. And they had. They had literally moved next door. It seems the inside of their house was just as full of clutter and trash as the yard. And so they had no choice but to move. But, you know, they took some of their old trash with them. (laughs) And it wasn't long until their new house was as trashy as the old one. If the change doesn't happen within, inside, it's just going to be transferred to the next thing. Sometimes our lives can be that way as well, too so cluttered with junk and trash that normal life seems impossible. We'll talk about needing a fresh start, or we'll talk about a clean break, or we'll want to just pick pick up and move next door, hoping for a fresh start for a clean break with the past. But unless some deep change takes place at the core level of our very being, we end up cluttering up our lives with the same sort of junk and trash as before. It just comes right along with us. Each year, people make uh, new resolutions, turning over a new leaf, making a new start. But if that start doesn't come within, it doesn't start within and at the heart, it's just going to carry over to the same thing like next, uh, the, the year before. is going to be the same as the next year, unless something happens on the inside. Jesus does some work there. That's where repentance comes in. And that's where a new birth, as opposed to a new start, is required. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You must be born again. Nicodemus said, I can't be born again. No one can, because he had a different mindset of what that meant. But Jesus knew He could. And you can be born again as well you can be made new from the inside out and god himself will send his spirit to do a great work within you it happens and when you choose to die to yourself god will resurrect you in newness of life he will we've experienced that on easter sunday and because jesus has been resurrected we also too can be resurrected in our body but also He will resurrect within us a a new life, a new heart, a new direction. And what's the key to this new life? Well, there's a a little verse there in the middle of the story about Nicodemus that gives us the answer. John 3.16, heard of it before? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's it's a verse that we know, we hear about, we go through. We might even skip over, and as I read it previously, you're going, yeah, I know that. But if you stop and read it again, it might hit you across the the chin and go, wait a second. Wow, God so loved the world. God loved me. He gave His one and only Son. I don't know how many of you would do that. Give your only—Linda, stop. <laughs> I saw that hand. <laughs> I don't know how many of you other than Linda would ever did that, uh, do that and give your one and only son for someone else. Being able to have that, that, that firstborn or precious girl, precious boy be crucified in a place of someone else. And then whoever believes in Him, whoever believes, whoever, anyone believes, puts their trust, puts their hopes in, puts their belief in, in a way where Jesus has done it, shall not perish but have eternal life. It has been laid out for us. <laughs> it's so simple. It's not that hard. And we see here that He loves, God loves, and God gave. We believe, and we live. It's a pretty great deal. The Bible makes it clear that God can give you a new life. God can remove the guilt. He can remove, uh, uh, remove the guilt, pardon the sin, and equip you to live a life of victory and purpose. You simply need to come in repentance and turn from yourself. <laughs> a pastor told the true story of one of his church members, an attorney, who after meditating on several scriptures decided to cancel the debts of all his clients that had owed him money for more than six months. He drafted a letter explaining his decision and its biblical basis and sent 17 debt-canceling letters via certified mail. So he would know if they got them and was able to check that out. One by one, the letters began to return. They were returned unsigned and undelivered. Maybe a couple people had moved away, though not likely. Sixteen of the seventeen letters came back to him because the clients refused to sign for and open the envelopes, fearing that his attorney was suing them for their debts. They thought something else was going on. All he wanted, though, to was be able to extend grace to them. And that's the issue with people today, right? They haven't opened the letter from God, and they think it's going to be doomsday. they think it's wrath. And they don't want to see it. And they miss out on that offer of forgiveness. <laughs> but today we have opened the letter, and we have read about God and His offer to pardon your debt. Today would be a good time to accept His offer of forgiveness if you haven't yet. Today would be a great day to decide that Jesus should be Lord of your life, that He should have total control of your life, that whatever He says you will do. But it all begins with being born again. You must be born again. So what haunts you at night? What haunts you at night? Maybe you aren't literally coming in the middle of the night as Nicodemus and many others do. Maybe it's in a dark night of the soul for you, going through a difficult time, and you're you're searching for answers. Where do you go? Because deep within your spirit, there's a voice telling you something's wrong. Something's quite, it's just a little askew, it's not quite right. Your solution, like Nicodemus, is to come to Jesus. And find a new life, because that's that's what Jesus will offer for you, and that's what we need, that new life, a new creation in us. I want to invite you to step out into that light. If God today has revealed new light to you, we need to walk in it, and all that light that He has revealed, no matter maybe how painful it might be, no matter how... Uh, difficult it might be for you. When new light is revealed, we need to walk in it. And as I've heard, uh, Bishop Ginder, an old gentleman who passed away a long time ago, he would always say, new light is the light. And we need to re- remember that. When, we are, when new light is revealed to us, truth is revealed to us, we have a choice, update or no update. <laughs> we have a choice. But realize that new light is the light in your life. It's always a great choice to receive that new light and live in it and walk in it. But I invite you to step into that light and let Jesus shine His truth into the deep recesses of your your world and your life and bring that newness, bring that healing, bring that new life to you. Martin Luther called the new birth. The best medicine. Those who have experienced it would certainly testify that it's true. It is the best medicine, new birth. But you just need to pray a simple prayer if you've never received that new life. Very simple prayer. Realizing that Jesus has died for your sins and then receiving Him as your Savior. And then praying that God will help you walk that journey. And determine that you will walk in obedience. That's all it takes. A very simple prayer. And If that's something you'd want to do, I encourage you to do so. Those who are online as well, too. If you've never prayed that prayer, I encourage you to do so. Well, let me pray with you right now. And if you want to come to the altar, you sure can. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. They're going to lead us a few songs. And if that's a prayer that, that resonates in your heart, that you need that new life, you need that update in your life. And I encourage you to just take time right now as I pray for you all to pray that prayer as well too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask right now that you would just be with each person right now as they focus in on what you have for them. Lord, those who are online that are joining us, maybe there's something askew there. Maybe there's something just quite not right they can't place their finger on it, but Lord, you've placed your finger on it, and they need to realize the new birth is what needs to happen. We need to be born again, and we need to live in, in all the light that you've given us. And Lord, if, if, if Jesus isn't Lord of their lives, I pray, Lord, that today the that they would make that choice as well. But it's a simple prayer, and Lord, I pray that you would remind us that it, it, it's, it's not rocket science. It's just coming to you in true honesty, and recognizing what You've done for us and receiving that gift of eternal life. Lord, I pray that You would give assurance to those people who might be praying that right now. Lord, that You would also give assurance that that it is a great idea to have You as Lord of their life, because as You call the shots and You guide and direct us in that, You are the one who is leading us, and we say yes to You on those things. There's no one better to do that. So, Lord, I pray that we would place You as Lord of our life as well, too, and let You call the shots. But be with each one here, Lord, as they ponder the things that have been spoken of, especially, Lord, Your Word as as it speaks to our hearts, and help us, Lord, to be living in obedience with that. Thank You, Lord. In Your name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, and and maybe those who are online, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear if that's something you prayed, because I'd like to be praying for you as well, too. And it's a journey that you don't take on your own. It's a journey we all journey together with, and we help one another. That's why we come together as a church, to help one another, to encourage one another as we walk along together. But uh, there's, there's just something pretty special about a person receiving Jesus as their Savior, and i love to hear about it because those are wonderful, wonderful stories. And for those who know Jesus as their Savior, uh, you have something to proclaim. And we all have something to proclaim in our lives. And, and as the worship team leads us in this next song, I trust that this can be your prayer as well, too, as we, we, we proclaim God in our lives and Jesus and what He's done for us. Why don't you stand as we sing this next song?